0: You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jujitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Groghardt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BGJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. This is episode 15. I am at home in St. Bart. Uh, I'm sitting in my living room, and I am on Facebook Messenger with Valerie, a Canadian girl who's been going to quite many camps. Uh, She is currently stuck in Kazakhstan during the lockdown, and um, she went there to teach and train Jujitsu. There was an invitation in the members of BGJ Club Charter's Facebook group. Uh, You might have seen it if you follow that group. And uh, I thought I would... When I saw that she took up the offer, I I thought I would... um, That would be a good opportunity for a podcast episode to speak with her. But anyway, uh, it didn't quite turn out exactly as she imagined since um, Kazakhstan is closed. And um, it does look like she... Uh, can get a flight out in a few days but uh, anyway i wanted to call her and uh, then we talked a little bit and um, she said oh she's so tired of traveling in airports and now she just want to go home and this year was the year where she planned to do like a lot of traveling and a lot of camps and she she has done seven camps so far and um she had been really been looking forward to to doing her 10th camp and get the 10 camp pizza um but she might not do that. So I said to her, um, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna call you up for the podcast episode. And I'm going to order you pizza in Kazakhstan from the Caribbean. And um, we'll have a little talk about uh, your experience there. So that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I am right now sitting in my living room. And I am, um, <laughs> she's on my messenger. And I'm just trying to get her address right. And I'm looking at a few. I've been Googling Pizza Almaty, which is the city she's currently in in Kazakhstan um, so I'm looking at a few like pizza ordering services in this town and it's all in Russian so I'm gonna have to try and do this with uh, Google Translate or something I imagined I would try and order her some exotic stuff like I don't know if they have camel cheese or something I'm being like super prejudiced here but this would be interesting so I'm gonna or- try to order her some food I know she is uh, starving it's morning in saint and it's uh, Evening. It's like 7.30 at night in Kazakhstan right now. She's going to do a quick report from when she receives the pizza. And then I'm going to call her up and do an interview a little bit later, probably in, in the morning her time. Um, anyway, so I'm looking at two websites right now. One is called Shoko Food. They kind of do have an English option, but it only translates like a third of the words. Um, and there's another one called Tuppers.kc. Um, it's in English, but uh, I think I'll go with the Choco food. It looks a little bit more um, adventurous. Um, I am trying. I put it in English language, but to be honest, don't understand anything. So I, I can definitely put in her address. To uh, it says enter delivery address. So that is Gagarin Avenue. Find restaurants. Okay, let's check this out. Uh, okay, so there's a map of Kazakhstan. I can now see where she lives. Oh, nice neighborhood, very nice. Um, there's a button saying, There is no my address. <laughs> okay, yes, this address is correct. Oh, and there's a gym across the street from her. Okay, there's a few options here. There is Del Papa Orbit, they have good reviews. Oh chiposano Sano, they have 24,000 reviews, that's a pizza place, and high reviews, but I'm going to scroll down a little bit and be a little bit adventurous, I'll see if someone has like really bad reviews, uh, I know she's really hungry, so I'm just gonna go, <laughs> she might as well, I'll see what I can make her eat, um, ah, they all have great reviews, I don't, even the worst ones have like, have like four and a half, five stars. Hmm, <laughs> that doesn't sound very trustworthy. It's like literally every single restaurant has like perfect review. Who's in charge of the Caribbean Kazakhstan internet connection? It's horrible. Translate. Yes, please translate. Let's see. Philadelphia with cucumber. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to order <laughs> random things from Google Translate because this is just too funny. Okay, Chiposano. They have like 23,000 reviews. So, I'm going to go with them. Um, and there's no pictures of the food, but the names are amazing. Um, let, let me just do I just need to figure out how much this is. So, 1,700 Kazakhstani g or something. Okay, that's not bad. let me see in euros. This is like 3 euros. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go shop. I'm going to go shopping here right now. Okay, I decided on Chiposano. I'm gonna I'm gonna get something called Mega Chicken, whatever that is. Uh, the price of Mega Chicken is three euros. So um, uh, a thirty-two centimeter Mega Chicken. <laughs> I'm just gonna order this. Add to order, yes. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I understand all of this. So oh, here are the pizzas. She doesn't definitely needs a pizza. Um, I'm gonna get. Ex- ex- Canada called, sushi called Canada because she's Canadian, so, um, okay, Canada, so let's see, there's a bit of that, and here comes the pizza, okay, I'm gonna get the the pizza with the best name, Kazakhstan, (laughs) mega cheese, oh my god, Moscow, what do I get, uh, Supreme, I'm honestly just going to get a Kazakhstan pizza. It looks uh, as exotic as it sounds, I will say. I'm going to get the Kazakhstan pizza. It's like five euros. It has onions, mozzarella cheese, gassi zaya, and pizza sauce. Whatever that is. Okay, she's going to get a Kazakhstan pizza. Voila. Oh, sauce. Let's see what they have. Any specialties? okay uh gamadari sauce i have no idea what that is i'm gonna get that dessert napoleon cake obviously and barbie wings i'm not sure that's a good thing to try okay so uh i think that should do it let me check the basket let me check what i got uh make make an order okay make an order Mala. uh private house i guess i what is this saying i need google translate Translate from Russian to English. We'll do that for the listeners. Uh, what does it say? Private house. I guess it's private house. Okay, I'm gonna say private house. Uh, I can't translate this button. I'm just gonna push it. Let's see. Let's see if this works. Payment confirmed. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for your order. This is very <laughs> confusing translation. I'm gonna send it the screenshot. She says, choco food, what the fuck? She says, the review says, it'll take two hours and the seafood comes from the local river. <laughs> let's, let's check the reviews now that I, I already ordered, so it's safe to read it right now. Pizza is not spicy, spit is not tasty. <laughs> okay, okay. Instead of a liter cola, put 0.5 and are silent. <laughs> for the price, it is not very expensive, but the food there is pretty decent, plus cola there. You can get a Coke. I recommend it to everyone. That's a lot of people to recommend that for Like literally every single person he meets. Raw pizza. There are few fish in land. Mm-hmm. Awful delivery, man. <laughs> pizza is a disaster. This is even in an epidemic and emergency, not food and suicide. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear her review didn't eat, remained hungry. (laughs) Uh, I didn't quite understand the taste. Oh, that's a way to put it. Okay, so we just found out it's actually a Chinese restaurant. So I just ordered pizza from a Chinese restaurant in Kazakhstan. We'll see how that goes. Okay, so we'll just wait for the delivery of the pizza, and then I'm going to call her back uh, when it's morning in Kazakhstan, and then uh, I'm going to have a chat with her about how was the food, obviously, and um, I'm super excited to see the pictures of of this order so i'll log off my computer right now i will uh, get some work done and um i'll call her back later tonight when it's morning and uh, we'll see if the pizza is still good with the morning coffee hey valerie how was the pizza uh,
1: the pizza was amazing scary but amazing
0: do you have anything left or
1: no it's all gone <laughs> come mm. on i I even add that sushi. I still don't know what's in it.
0: I picked the sushi because it was only because it was called Canada.
1: Also, oh, the sushi was Canada, the pizza was mega chicken.
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't know. I don't know what mega chicken was. I just picked mega chicken just from the name. There's no picture or description. I just I just ordered mega chicken and I was I was very <laughs> I was so excited to hear what it was
1: yeah and um, yeah, so I guess the pizza was make a chicken, and um, I've had horse meat before, but it was always like uh, ground meat, so when that pizza showed up with the big chunk
2: right of, it was like, horse. Or- okay.
1: horse meat steak yeah horse meat steak with like the fat layers on the side, the whole thing, I was like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah. i didn't
0: I didn't know i just I just picked it because it was called Ka- Kazakhstan. I couldn't see what was on it, but horse that makes good sense.
1: Yeah, and yeah, no, that was definitely horse.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's not too bad. The horse is good meat.
1: No, it is. But here it's, uh, it's actually their delicacy. Like mm-hmm. they're, um, they they keep saying that uh, Kazakhstans is a country of meat and dough, and it's uh, it's pretty much it. Every time I've eaten with people, it's always tons of meat tons of dairy and bread 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 bread, bread dough uh, so everything's a variation of it
0: nice i'm just going through the pictures of the pizza right now that you sent me it looks delicious um <laughs> <laughs> well so um okay let's start from the very beginning take like one minute to just give a bit of background uh, story of background about yourself
1: Uh, myself okay um so i live in montreal canada um used to live there yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, that's actually accurate oh sorry sorry Um, sorry
0: continue
1: and and on my uh, smooth comp uh, profile now it says i live in kazakhstan because to register for a local jiu-jitsu tournament i had to be a resident so i was like that's it (laughs) i'm officially from kazakhstan um So, yeah, so uh, I'm from Montreal, Uh, I'm an immigration officer back home, Uh, so I've been doing Jiu-Jitsu for six six years or so, Uh, I've been traveling in the past five years, maybe seven or eight countries every year. Uh, so that's it. Like uh, I've been in Kazakhstan. Well, this year I've been to Vietnam. I left in January. I biked all the way through Vietnam, all the way to Cambodia. So that was about a thousand kilometers I did. Uh, then I traveled through Cambodia. Then I went to Thailand, and I got stuck in Thailand because I guess it was the beginning of the uh, of the COVID nineteen. Um, but it wasn't really serious back then, uh, which sounds like a long time ago, but it was only two months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back home for 12 days, worked, and then I flew back here and yeah, the disaster started. Like my first flight was canceled. So I missed my second flight. I missed my connection. I got stuck in Switzerland. Then they rerouted me through Turkey. So yeah. So this is yes
0: okay and and i i i met you um i met you at a few camps and you came to visit me in st bart the yep. only the only person in the beginning actually yeah when i just moved here that's right and you're you're the only visitor i had that walked the entire island
1: yeah i still have my map back home actually i walked the whole thing
0: <laughs> not too bad well there's not much to do here so you might as well walk the entire island
1: and it's like the only thing that's free, right? The beaches and walking mm-hmm. its pretty much the only thing that you can get for free in St. Bart. So. And sunshine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Um, all right. So anyway, that was a bit of background about you. So, so there was this, this post I just found it on the members of BGJ Club Trotters Group, which was in, in January. So it's actually already four months ago. I'm just going to uh, read it out loud. Um I'm not sure if this is the original one. Okay, I'll I'll read this one. Um, looking for a female brown or black belt, approximately fifty kilos to come to Kazakhstan and teach lessons for a minimum of two months. Compensation includes round trip, airfare, housing, transportation to and from work, personal driver, and salary. All needs will be met. Food sightseeing, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. A guy called Adam. And then there was, like, there's, like, 75 comments on this, and people are, like, super, super suspicious. They're, like, oh, yeah, I, I remember I deleted so much from this one because people are, like, <laughs> that's, like, super shady. This very suspicious. Uh, sounds too good to be true. And that's the same every time somebody posts in, like, posting in that group about, like, some job offer or something. Like, there's even this place in Thailand. They invited someone for three weeks Was like, oh that's a joke like they're, they're just gonna they're just trying to get someone to to kidnap or or like uh yeah. or like how i can't make a living off of that money you're gonna pay me for that you know how am i gonna pay my bills blah 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 uh, and yeah like
1: like instructors around the world are are getting rich like teaching right yeah exactly so... <laughs> exactly anyway
0: um anyway so all the negativity aside and all like the super suspicious and people like but this is not the the Western world. You're going to die for sure if you, if you start to go around there anyway. and But there's a lot of positivity as well, I must say. And, of course, you were there right away. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Valerie's right there. Immediately, I will 100% go. I speak Russian. Is that true?
1: Uh yeah I I started learning Russian uh behind my girlfriend's back last year cuz I thought it was like Impressor. so yeah I I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting good
0: so you can order vodka and stuff
1: Yeah oh yeah
2: All right
0: um anyway so you were uh, all over this let me see if there was another one This I'm not sure if I spell. Oh here it's more detailed info this is like a week later Oh this is long Uh okay so is very long. I'm going to link to this. It's very long. It's actually very well like, written. And there's 100 comments on it. Wow. Mm. Uh, and then you're like, seriously, hit me up. I just need the dates. I can be there. Uh, and um, what happened from there? Um,
1: so from there, they, um, I think they picked up uh, five people out of all the people who messaged them. And they said, uh, we want to get in touch because everybody's like, oh yeah, I'll do it. But when they are say, okay, can you come next week? Nobody's like, oh yeah, I'll come. <laughs> were,
0: were you in, were you in Canada or still traveling at this point?
1: Yeah, park? I was not I was, I was in Canada, but I was like on my way to leave like a few days after. So I told, I told them, I'm like, look, I wish I had known before because I wouldn't come back home for like 12 days right. to fly across the world again. <laughs> um, but I'm like, my plan is all made. Like I got the bike, I got my stuff is packed. I got people with me on that trip that I've been planning for like eight months, uh, go bike through Southeast Asia. So I'm like, I I can't make it right now. Uh, but I'm like, as soon as I come back, if I, uh, I can get my vacation approved, which I I knew wouldn't be a problem. I'm like, I'm just going to go. Um, so they're like, okay, no problem. And within, 24 hours like they paid my uh my airfare everything was set up we're like in contact on whatsapp and that was it even during my trip in asia we would touch base like every few days like everything's still good yes like uh no injuries i was the tournament prep coming like et cetera et cetera so it was uh it was all super smooth super legit uh, so, as soon as I came back home, I kind of unpacked all my beach stuff <laughs> and my and my bike stuff and uh, my warm stuff and I just traded that for uh, more geese and hoodies and I just did my few days of work and and I got dropped at the uh, at the airport to come here <laughs> right
0: and um so what did so, so i think the the job description was pretty like detailed and um yeah yeah and i think e- is, even even the um, thing
1: is uh it was not really like it's teaching but it's also how can i say that being a female enforcer
0: <laughs> <laughs> right
1: which doesn't exist here
0: right uh, let's like, let's get back so to that, let, let's that, get back to to, yeah. to to that a little bit later. I just want want the whole story from the beginning. It's uh so so people read this and they're like super suspicious about. Well, usually people are super suspicious about anything that's not the country they live in. You know, like mm-hmm. I see that a lot. And and I I've traveled a lot to a lot of strange places. Uh, so, but but maybe I, I would like to hear from you. It's like, why are you not suspicious about something like this?
1: i've traveled enough alone as like a solo female uh to know and see if something's gonna happen it's gonna happen like the risk uh the risk is always there no matter where you're going like i have a uh, risky jobs i have risky hobbies i've been in el salvador and dominican republic i've been in many places like there's no there's no point in worrying if you do your homework and you check things out a little bit uh like kazakhstan is developed like it's not like just borat yes but not really like uh so to me like to whether it was Kazakhstan or somewhere else, like as long as there is no rioting in the street and civil problem, or like a severe lack of infrastructure, uh, going to any going anywhere, like I don't see it as a problem. Like my, my main thing was, can I get in touch with those people? Like, can I have a serious conversation or is it like some like catfishing operation? So, the moment I can get like a real conversation happening with someone who's here and asking the proper question, like, why do you need someone? What's the situation over there? Like, what, what, what is it going to be like? Um, cause it's new for them too. Like, it was a first time thing that they're trying. Uh, so. I wasn't scared. I wasn't like nervous. I think we've seen way, uh, way worse ads posted in BJJ Globetrotter, like way worse posting and where they're almost saying, yeah, we're going to take your visa or your passport, you know? Like as soon, as long as like things are legit and I have my own place and I'm not being forced into anything... To me, it's just an experience. And at the end of the day, if I'm not happy after two days, I just take a cab and I go home. Uh, so there's always that possibility. So I don't know why people panic so much. And like, I just got to say, like, I've processed thousands of asylum claimants in the past year, and I haven't seen a single person asking for asylum from Kazakhstan. Like, like like to me that's my main indicator of where i'm not taking my next vacation like, like like i see so many people on a regular basis wanting to ask for asylum and nobody comes from Kazakhstan right. nobody asks for asylum from Denmark <laughs> nobody asks asylum from Poland like it, it gives you like an idea where in the world it's stable. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. It doesn't have to be modern or just like home, but it's not home. So it's normal. But is it dangerous? Mm. Like real dangerous? And the answer to that question is not at all. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I from my own perspective, I, I've traveled quite a bit to, as, as I usually say, I've been drunk and stupid in every dangerous corner of the world and nothing has ever happened to me. I think it's, if if as for me it's always if i know some locals or i get to know some locals that i can kind of hang out with then that kind of fixes everything and also that i mean you usually people who say like oh i i always get in trouble but i never do anything there's usually there's probably something wrong if they always get in trouble you know like i never get in yeah. trouble i've never gotten in tr- i've never been even in any sort of altercation and i have into some strange, strange places and bars in the world. Um, but, you know, I, I think as long as, as I think this goes with what you say is that if you can have a conversation with someone there and you can kind of connect and they know the place and they know they way around and you just kind of hang out with them and then it's fine. It's not like they're getting kidnapped every single day, you know.
1: <laughs> no, like, uh, and you see, like, there's uh, this time in the in the country <laughs> that I, I, I did end up... Um, pissed drunk stupid and uh in a in a clinic with an IV up my arms and like uh, and I'm like oh my god where am I I think I like I don't know if my alcohol or something was wrong with it but like the doctor i I, I, I kind of wake up from the From the the solution is giving me, and like I'm getting rehydrated, and I'm like, my first question is, where did you go to medical school? I didn't really care about him, but. (laughs) Was that in Kazakhstan or what? No, 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 that was somewhere else. And like, yes, like the situation itself, you kind of freak out, but. I wasn't really worried about what's going on with me. I want to know who's that person. (laughs) And the moment, like you said, you establish that relationship. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. Like, is the guy there to harvest my organ? Perhaps. Mm -hmm. But right now, like, I'm trying to know him. (laughs) I'm trying to understand what's going on. And the guy looks very trustworthy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, uh, like you say... There's there's risk and there's danger everywhere you're going to go. But the moment that you meet the people and that you have some kind of connection, it's not – the risks are not there. And, I, like, it it's not only about jiu-jitsu, but there's also that aspect. Like, the person is willing to pay thousands of dollars to fly me across the world so, like, I can choke them. Mm, right. Like, I mean, who's got the bigger risk there? Like – like she, she like, she. <laughs> so no, Kazakhstan. Yes, I did my reading, but I didn't want to overread it or over plan it.
2: Mm.
0: I think that's also that's also a, a, that could be a dangerous thing because it, even if, if you probably if you read on the uh the US like official travel advisory, it'll say there are places in Denmark that you shouldn't go, which is like the biggest joke ever because like nothing ever happens, so huh? and um. But no matter, it's like it's like whatever opinion you want uh, confirmed, you just Google that and you will find it, right? So if you Google like crime, this and this place, you will always find something. But just because a crime happened somewhere doesn't mean it's going to happen there again and again and again, right? Like or, mm-hmm. do, do someone, can someone on the internet just predict where all the, all the dangerous people just hang out all the time or what? I don't get it.
1: No, like the only thing usually I'm going to Google before I go somewhere... Is what type of currency they have? What's the immigration thing? And is there anything I should like? What's the weather? Mm. Those are my three things. <laughs> like, what to pack? Am I okay with my passport? Do I need some kind of document? And uh, can I get a SIM card? And what's mm. the money? Right. Because once you get those things figured, the rest is fine. Like you're gonna you're gonna survive. Like even if you're on the street, you're gonna be okay. Right. <laughs> And I always bring a couple U.S. dollar because it doesn't matter where you are in the world, U.S. dollar you, you will find a cab. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think the world is uh, the world always looks dangerous if you just sit at home and watch it on TV, and especially if you imagine that where you live is like the center of the of the planet, and everything yeah. else. The further away from your home you go, the the more dangerous things must be, but. In reality, if you actually go out and look, there's there's really nothing there. So you said you, you rode a bicycle a thousand kilometers in Thailand or whatever where, where it was. Yeah. And so yeah. people say, "Are you crazy?" You know. But uh, honestly, when you when you go out there, you uh, I have experienced nothing but nice people everywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, like um, my girlfriend was with me when we were in Vietnam uh, for the bike bike trip, and um, we're taking <laughs> pictures, but we quickly realized that like, uh, it's, it's gorgeous. And that's the best way to see a country, honestly, is biking. Mm-hmm. Like you see everything and you can stop and talk with the people mm-hmm. like right away. You don't have to plan. Oh my God, we should stop like in half an hour. You like you stop now and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the end we realized that like, if we were to make a calendar of all the pictures. It's 95% i5s. <laughs> like they don't speak a word of English especially if you're outside the big cities like Minh City and uh, and Hanoi. Nobody speaks English at all, but they're so happy to see you and they want you to stop and you get i5 and people like they bring you in their house you have no idea what's going on. Like they will just like bring you to show you their rice field, and they're trying to feed you, and I thought I was gonna lose weight. Let's be real, like I was cycling about 100 kilometers a day month in mountains most of the time, and I gained weight. (laughs)
2: Like
1: I gained weight uh, during those 15 days because people would not stop bringing food. I would like stop to eat, and it was like one meal, two meal, I was like, please stop, like I have to bike. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> but they're just there, and they won't talk, and they won't connect. And you can't talk because you don't speak Vietnamese. <laughs> but, but, they, but but they just sit there, and they look at you, and they're so happy you're there.
0: <laughs> and what do they do now with social distancing? No, now it's not even high five anymore. So they, now, it's, oh, I have, now it's too I late.
1: Plenty of, it, it was the beginning in Vietnam, and actually they just it was the long Tet holidays. Uh, it's like their new year's mixed with a super long holidays in Vietnam and everybody gets off for like two, three weeks. And the thing is, they just never sent people back to school. Mm. Like they, they stopped it before it really started for them. Uh, because trust me, they don't know social distancing there. Like you, you, you've been in Southeast Asia, like they're cooking. Uh, on the side of the street like i was walking in certain streets and i'm like oh like this looks nice and then all of a sudden i'm like i'm in someone's house <laughs> like oh i like I, I thought i was looking to a back alley or a shortcut to go somewhere and nope, the ladies there washing her dishes uh, so i'm like so, so so like and they they're just like smiling uh, so there's there's no such thing as like social distancing um but But they took, they knew at least that by stopping school, it would be, it would help. Because little kids, they touch everything and they touch everyone and they will just cough in people's face and they don't really care, you know? Uh, So they just never sent the kid back back to school in Vietnam as of January. So when I did my trip, they were not in school. (laughs) So they actually had kids everywhere. So yeah, in big cities, people were worried. But outside of the big cities, I would say people, like their life as usual is like they have 12 dogs and a cow and a horse and they're working in the rice field. So for them, virus or no virus doesn't really affect them. Like there's most of them, they didn't even have electricity in some places where I was. So like... For them, it it's not really a concern, I believe. Or it wasn't in January. So it didn't change much. Um, and trust me, like, I did jiu-jitsu there in every, in every places I've been in Southeast Asia. Even at, like, a place where the gym was closed because of the other day. But because we contacted them, they threw a special open mat uh, in Vietnam. So, um, like, people... We're not worried much, and people get really excited to have women uh coming to do jiu-jitsu right so in, let, in let, a lot of the places let,
0: let's get back to the to the to the Kazakhstan story um yeah so um there is this nice description and uh, so you decided to go and everything was set so what were you what did you expect and and how did it actually uh um how did it actually happen
1: mm I didn't have any expectation. All I knew is that someone was supposed to wait for me at the airport. Um, and I mean,
0: like what 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 did you imagine it would be like, you know, to be there oh, like straight out of Chernobyl <laughs> or like.
1: No, I, no, no, no. Like I knew it was uh, of all the stand countries. Kazakhstan is considered to be like one of the most developed. And I'm saying, quote unquote, uh, like place. Uh, so, so, but I knew that the amount of money they were like offering that it's like almost twice the amount of money that like people make here on a daily basis. So I knew I wasn't like coming here to come like in a yurt and a horse, you know? So like, uh, I wasn't like too worried. Like I started like, uh, just checking like expat forum just to know like stuff I should know about, like quickly, like I all I knew is I was going to have my own place and that someone was picking me up at the airport. So for me, my bases were covered and like, there's going to be jujitsu. I'm going to have my own place. There's going to be wifi. I'll figure the rest after I sleep. Um, and the job was
0: yeah. the job was like, uh, the, the, let's see, tell us about the, the job description.
1: Uh, Yeah, so what's going on here is there's, like, um, two or three big, big, big gyms. Like, it's not, like, Gracie Baha or BTT, like, back home. It's, like, Kazakhstan Top Team and Czech Mat mostly. And um, they're they're big, big, big rivals. So, at first, what I understood was, okay, we need to train the women from one gym because there's a – like, the competition is really, really intense – one against the other, okay, no problem, I don't have any affiliation, so sure, let's do it. But then after speaking with people from here, what I understood is jiu-jitsu for women in Kazakhstan is so new and is so not really accepted that um, there's competition in the gym. Like women will not train together. Women refuse to train together because they're worried that down the line they will face each other in competition. So it's like that really old school mentality of. You're yes, we have to train at the same gym because maybe we live close by or whatever, but I'm not going to train with you. And it's almost like high school mentalities where. okay so I have those people are my friend in the gym, so they will not train with you. And you have your people in the gym and you train with your people. I will train with my people. And we're not there to grow the sport. We're one against the other. Uh, So that led to like some really bad and toxic competition within some gyms and injuries as well. So what happened is that some women started their own place on their own time to have their own opportunity to train and not be one against another, but grow together, try to grow the sport in Kazakhstan and grow the sport in the city, but without being at each other's throat. Um, so that's why they wanted to bring other women for like, the main part was to be a healthy and safe training partner in a I, would, I, I can see dangerous environment. I'm not gonna lie, and and also showing women that it's possible to stick to the sport, like not stay there just like a few months and then leave, and just also bring a woman's perspective of how things are like going at home. Um, so that was what I understood before I got here. And then when I came to Kazakhstan and I saw how things were, that was clearly like that was obvious that there's like some problems in gyms here when it comes to female doing jiu jitsu.
0: What are the
2: problems?
1: Of all the like hundreds of gyms I've been to in the past few years, my first night that I trained. Like, without the people I had contact with, like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to drop in and go to a gym, right? I've never felt so unwelcome and uncomfortable and unsafe like that in my entire life, training in the place. Like, uh, it's a mix of religion and society and... Like, a lot of the men, they don't want to roll with women because they consider them to be inferior. I'm just going to say it like it is. (laughs) A lot of the men, they don't want to touch women because their wife doesn't allow them to touch women, even if it's in the context of sports. And a lot of the men, because of religion aspect, they just cannot train with women. So if you add... The fact that there's a big culture of sambo and wrestling and grappling and martial arts, and the guys are all really, really, really in shape (laughs) and really, really, really good. Even they start, and they've probably been wrestling for 15 years, you know? So, like, they come into jiu-jitsu, but that's not their first time stepping on mats. Uh, You mix that with little supervision. And women who are like 50 kilos. Like I I, I witnessed it, like, it's not good.
0: (laughs) And this this was a little bit of the description in the in the job offer was that this this girl that they needed a training partner for had broken her ribs like four times or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Before she kind of split from that gym decided to get some mats and start their own thing. Like she had like many, many injuries. And like when I got there, I honestly it's it was not just the language or cultural like thing going on. There was a room with 40 people and I had trouble getting six or seven rolls. <laughs>
0: six or seven rolls? <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like for open mats. Mm like it was packed and doesn't matter if you ask or make eye contact or do any type of fancy dance and motion saying that you want to roll, <laughs> they won't even look at you. And and if they give up and they want to roll with you, they will crank everything. And because of the, leg block games here and all develop and advance some some stuff is like they don't they don't care if you're visiting <laughs> they, they don't they will go everybody goes 100 hmm. i def
0: i definitely had these similar experiences when i i've been i've been teaching and training a bit in in russia like a few times and or like eastern block countries and there's, there's quite a bit of this, definitely, that, that I've been running into. Uh, and uh, it's definitely a different training culture, very different, but also kind of obviously more interesting if you're not 50 kilos girl. You
1: know. <laughs> yeah, and, and but also what I've noticed is that the people, though, that you roll with and that you connect with again um, – they will do their best to speak English and I will do my best to speak Russian, not Kazakh, obviously. And they, they were very nice. Like a lot of people would sit with me and they'd be like, look, I'll explain to you those people in that corner. That's who they are. Those people in that corner, that's what they do. Those people in that corner. I was even told those people there, they're the criminals. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and, and they're like, I'm sorry, I didn't use the right word. I mean, like, I mean, like, uh, like gang. I'm like, okay, you're not helping yourself. Keep, keep trying. Let's go. We're, we're doing this. (laughs) And the guy's like, but you know, not like, uh, not like murder. I'm like, okay, keep, keep talking. (laughs) And the guy's just giving me description of everybody. No, no, no. He's like, I mean, uh, it's the people who uh, smuggle stuff across the border. I'm like, okay, this is better. Like, this is much, much better. Like, you should start with that. Right. (laughs) So, so like, it was, like, people start, like, explaining to you why they won't roll with you. Like, don't Mm. take it personal, Mm. you know? Like, it's not because it's you. And they will, like, give a little bit of context. And then after that, it's good because they will talk to those people. Mm. Like, A, the person is not there just for one day. Or the person is not there, like, to prove themselves. Mm. Or the person, like, I'm not a spy. Like I'm not coming here to check all the tricks you're teaching women. Like um so the moment like you start building that relationship and you start showing up every day, like uh, already it w- it was getting better. Uh and then the government announced that all the gym were closed. Yeah. Okay, that <laughs>
0: <sounds>. But uh, <laughs> that was a shame. What a shame.
2: <laughs> so thank you. Thank well, at you. least we're
0: all in the same boat, huh? But I I think I think from my experience in in kind of these cultures where it's really like training is pretty hardcore. It's any anyone. It's funny because I would I would think about um, the kind of the attitude on the mats or the attitude in public in the street, and I was think, damn, this is the, the hardcore like tough. Like uh, like nobody trusts each other kind of place. But then I think about all the people that I know there. Like every single person that I get to know a little bit are like the nicest people ever. And it's kind of weird because then then I th- I, I think it can't just be exactly these people that I randomly met that turns out to be super super nice. It's just I think there's definitely a different like public facade, sort of say, or like a different kind of uh, attitude in public than if you know people. And I think maybe maybe that's that's also what you're running into on the mats right there
1: no absolutely and like the moment people realize that you're not just there like to like to just drop in but that you're actually trying to like build a relationship there and that you're actually coming and that you're like trying to talk to people and they see that you keep being rejected <laughs> and in beginning like with those cultures and like they see that you're not playing their let's go to war game when you're rolling (laughs) like it's not like a a competition all the time. People start opening up like everywhere. I've been like, uh, everybody like who gets, uh, who gets injured or go hard. Like at one point, like it's going to happen, but people like they will apologize and they will stop. Yes. They have like that mentality. Like they're going crazy all the time here, but like, After that, like, it's okay. Like, so they will still uh, give you advice and they will still try to uh, call you a taxi and they're actually very protective uh, on on certain aspects. Like, of course, maybe because I'm half your size, people are a little bit more protective towards me than they've been towards you when you travel. (laughs) But uh, in certain countries, I've definitely um, witnessed, like, some kind of tough love you know uh, so I think it's uh, it's interesting but the mentality here has definitely been uh, it, it's a first on all the places I've been it was definitely a different atmosphere on the mats um, so that's why it was also different when I was training with the women here because they kind of started their own thing Right. Uh, with different, different time to train and different time also because it's more convenient during the day because the kids are in school. Um, cause for most women here training in the evening is just not, a, it's not an option. Like here, women, they have a very, very traditional place, like Kazakh society. Usually you're going to live with your parents, with your grandparents, with your brother, with your aunt, with your sister, you live with everybody. Everybody lives together. In a room. Sometimes it's a bigger room. Sometimes the room is split. But everybody lives together. But having that jujitsu class at seven at night, for most women, when you have like four, five, six kids on top of taking care of an, ex- an extended family, it's not a possibility. Like, you, they, they can't make it. Like, most of them, they can't travel during the night. They can't get a ride there. Like, the society is very, very different. So for them, they needed a different time frame or they needed like uh, to feel safe as well. A lot of the women here, when I train with them, they were um, their training fully covered because of their religion. Like so they can only train with women on top of already wearing long rash guard and having their head covered and all the stuff that comes with it. So they need that different time. They need that safe space. They need that different time frame that's gonna allow them to train. And um, for me, it was like almost magical that first class that we did. I think we were seven women, and some of them they had been waiting for at least four or five months to come back to training because all the gym across Almaty, where I am in Kazakhstan right now, like they all. They all had been canceled because they're like, oh, we put women's class for you, but you're not coming. So we're just going to cancel all the women's class. But they never bothered to ask why. (laughs) Why women are not showing to women's class at 5.30 (laughs) p.m. So so those women, when they came to our classes that we planned uh, in the middle of the afternoon, they all showed up.
0: And was this like was all, this the the, the the classes that you were kind of originally invited yeah. to do?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they all came, and uh, they were all excited to practice their English. And they kept bringing me food. Like Kazakh people, they really like to feed you. Like they like to make you feel welcome, and they like to really like make sure that you're set up good. So they kept bringing me uh, dessert and magnets and stuff about the countries and like very, very nice, like environment. Like once you get to know them and when those women came, they were so happy. Like they're so happy to have like techniques and to have a real class and to be drilling. And they were so happy that like they get, they got to do jujitsu.
0: And how was the, how was the level of English there in general? The well, I'm in
1: a big, I'm in a big city. So uh, I would say maybe everybody under 25 years old understands English good enough. Uh, But uh, the person inviting me here, her English is is pretty good. So she's able to translate uh, in both Russian and Kazakh. Because even if you speak Russian, not everybody speaks Russian. (laughs) Kazakhstan is in this weird place in the world where... They they identify as Kazakh or Asian or European, depending to where they're from. Um, So you can be very fluent in Russian and nobody will understand you because not everybody is Russian. (laughs) So we kind of all met in the middle. Like, I think broken English is the best language. Yeah, that's that's
0: what I've been traveling with everywhere, just like. Travel English yeah. that works.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Broken English, business English, just mm-hmm. uh, and for jujitsu, like it's a bit like uh, self-explanatory. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and a lot of ad movement. Like yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, so how, uh, so how was so this? Classes, how
0: was this training then compared to uh, to
1: the other that you just described? Uh, it was. It was great. Like uh, because they're so eager to learn. They're so interested. They're so happy that, like, there's something that's just for them. And for them, it was such a, an opportunity, but it's also the social aspect of being able to leave their house. Uh, so it's not just about jujitsu, it's being able to have something that doesn't have anything to do with their family or their husband or the social, like, the way that society here. Is like built for them to be able to like uh, get like a private driver to pick them up to make sure everything is safe. Drive them to the gym. Everybody trains together. After that, after every training session, everybody we we'll all eat together here. It's kind of mandatory. So people show up to training and they bring food. They show up with pizza. They show up with the food they made. They show up with whatever they have. And like we all like train for like an hour and a half. Then we talk, we like drill a little bit, then we all sit and we eat. That's right, not saying to eat, and it's not allowed. <laughs> so, 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 so it becomes like a big thing, it becomes like a celebration almost uh, that lasts like two, three hours. And then, like, uh, they they get all dressed like normally, and they get picked up, and they were like being uh, dropped off at home. So yeah, and some of the women like they were coming, and they were bringing all of their kids. We had a little corner with bean bags, and uh, the kids were just playing together. It wasn't bothering us at all, and we would just train like uh, no big deal. And then uh, and then the training was over. And that was it. And everybody was between like 50 and 65 kilos. <laughs> so no risk, no injuries, but they would still go hard. But the risk of injuries when everybody's 50 kilos, still lower. <laughs> you can you can go really hard. You're still just 50 kilos. <laughs> um, so, yeah so that was the the training aspect until the government shut everything down again
0: and how long did you manage to train for there
1: um i've been here for six weeks now so it's been we had at least three weeks of like steady training many times per week and then it was more of a Let's try to do this. Maybe we can go around the government checkpoints kind of training. (laughs) (laughs) And then people just kind of got nervous. Even if the gyms were not officially closed, people got nervous to be outside. Um, Or uh, the school got shut down before the gym. So, like, um, people got stuck with their kids at home. So they couldn't make it to training anymore. Uh, So we... We just and then the government announced that everything was going to be closed, and then everything else happened. So we we had to stop. Um, But uh, I'd say that half my time here, at least, we've been able to train almost every day. Uh, How long were you supposed to be there originally? Mm, Two months, and I was. And the original plan was also like after the ZenCam in Poland this fall was that I'm just going to take a one-way ticket and then I was going to come back here mm. um, because it's not that far. So, I mean, it might still be in the book, but you know how things are right now. <laughs> so we don't, We'll get back to that. Yeah, October is very far. So, uh, but yeah, like they, they they like having me here. So, and I like being being here as well. And because uh, it's, a, it's a trust, building process more than a teaching gig. Um, So they don't necessarily want to have 10 different people to come over. Like uh, if someone is comfortable, if someone is already like uh, aware of the situation, I think for them it's, it's better that way. Uh, And after maybe a little while someone will be able to teach or the community will grow and maybe they'll be able to do everything here. Um, so that's mostly, like, I, th- I think in the long term, that's what they're trying to get. Uh, but they're just getting started. Like, I think there is, all the women here wear white belts and, but they all actively want to compete. They all actively want to train, so it's. Uh, I don't think the, the this the idea is gonna stop. So they just need to have the structure in place to be able to like keep doing it.
0: About that competition, did you manage to compete or was that uh, canceled as uh, well?
1: I registered. I registered to every competition, but now they were all postponed. Mm. But yeah, like it's like five bucks to register here to tournaments. Most of the tournaments here are on uh, ADCC format, uh, they don't like the IBJJF at all, um, so it's mostly uh, ADCC format. They have this uh, organization called uh, Arlen Grip. so they, they, they do a lot of tournaments, mostly no gi, and even when they do with the gi, it's like ADCC rules. <laughs> with the gi uh and it's like uh it, it reminds me of like 10 years ago back home when you were a woman and you want to compete it's white belt or colored belt all together mm. <laughs> so so it's because uh, there's not enough women right and uh, the the weight division is pretty much we will make bracket when you show up right. uh so so it's a uh, it's like that and but uh, belt here it doesn't matter like you've trained in uh i think in moldova and in eastern europe like belts here when everybody has some kind of background in judo or sambo or martial arts uh it doesn't matter if the persons a white belts in jiu like you should always be careful yeah i can't uh, i
0: can't count how many how many <laughs> I would <say> russians or <laughs> that white belts that i rode with who were also like uh 20 years of judo and powerlifting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I remember when Charles Ariad came to Montreal, I brought him to my Sambo gym. So, technically, my Sambo instructor has never done Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> and he's 28 years old, but he grew up in Kazakhstan and in Israel and in Russia. <laughs> so, he had competitive roles with Charles, who's a black belt. In so it was. Uh, so it doesn't mean anything. Right. Like grappling is grappling here. When they say let's wrestle, they really mean it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, and if they pull guard, you know they're going for your feet. And if they stand up, you think you're safe. No, they're gonna take you down. Right. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, it's really interesting.
0: What about like how how is how is like your daily life been there how, how is it? now you've been there for a while so i mean i guess you're in in some kind of rhythm of how, how is life in kazakhstan
1: um i would say life is life is very good um like the the place is the city i'm in is so nice and it's a mix of big city with like infrastructure and they have their own Uber here, like called Yandex. Um, Everywhere you can go, it is so cheap because it's an oil country. So everywhere you want to go, it's going to cost you like $1 almost maximum. So you can get everything everywhere. And it's a big, big outdoor place because it's a city, but then you get like all soviet olympic installations and a lot of uh like a lot of mountains a lot of like uh, some people they come here during the during winter just for snowboarding uh right now the mountains are closed but like even when it's still warm outside here you can still go to the mountain and it's only uh 15 kilometers away and you can still be snowboarding in t-shirts in the mountains here uh, they have this big ice rink on top of like the mountain. Like it's gorgeous. The place here is so beautiful. Like I open my window and like I can see the mountains like right there. They're right in the city. There you don't need to like go outside. You don't need to be make a day out of it. Like people will just take a cab and like oh I'm going snowboarding for two hours. Like they have uh they have those uh those cable car systems, you can go there also with that. They have a lot of viewpoints. They have a lot of museum in the in the city center. Like that the place is a mix of old Russian architecture and museum. And but also they really like to be outside. Uh not right now. <laughs> but 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 when I got here I was really surprised that like They they love food. So their lunch break usually is around two hours. And everybody's doing some kind of exercise and walking around and like, oh, on my lunch break of two hours, I'm going to take a cab and I'm going to go hike a little bit and then I'll go back to work. Like to me, it's it's very strange (laughs) because like back home, most people, they're on the lunch break. It's half an hour. It's not paid. And they're almost working when they're on break. Um, So but here people will just take the time. Like they'll take the time to go outside to socialize to meet up with people. Like um, all the places I visited was mostly I was on expat forum just to know like schedules or looking up for stuff to do. And people were like, "Oh, no problem. Let's meet up, and uh, I will. Uh, I'll go with you for the whole day." So all this stuff i've done, I didn't have to really plan anything like like people like uh, local people would be like, "Hi, I want to practice my English, so don't worry about anything. let's just meet at this place and I'll take you to this mountain or I will take you to this attraction, and people were just picking me up, and okay, no problem like uh so it's been it's been really interesting because I didn't really have to. To overthink things, you just show up, and everybody wants to practice their English.
0: Imagine if, if, hey, they, if these will, people, everybody will imagine, yeah, they
1: if, will all play guide with you.
0: Imagine if they if they posted that on the Club group. Hey, I live in Kazakhstan. I want to take you to the mountains. Just let me know. where I'll pick you up. Let's see what people say about that.
1: Oh my God! Don't don't even get there. Seriously, like, uh, but you know, I I also I I also had like private messages after that post. Right? People like warning me.
0: Mm. Did you manage to make some 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 local friends not that were not like in jiu-jitsu?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, and and it's people who don't live in the city necessarily. And I was feeling bad. Like the guy was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get there. It's only two hours by bus." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "You know, I can just send a taxi. It's gonna cost me three dollars." The guy's like, "No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. It's gonna make my day." Because a lot of the people who don't live in the city but speak English, they all teach English. Like, that's mostly what they do. Mm. They, they teach English online. For them, it's, a, it's really good money here to be teaching English. Like, you will make more money than most Kazakh people going on a regular job. So everybody who's been to school either in Turkey, and Russia, in the U.S., everybody who speaks good English, they will all end up teaching English from home. Right. And uh so those people were like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I'm really happy, I'm really happy. So people were like actually taking buses for like two hours one way to come show me their mountain. <laughs> like, I'll pick you up, you can try the local food, I can translate for you. Do you know that we have a, a subway system here, I didn't know that. Like they would take me just like in the subway, like happy to show me that like they have a subway now uh, and like bring me to a bunch of places like it, it's just been really really nice i've been an- hanging out only with local people
0: mm. was it is, do they do they have one of those like uh super impressive enormous old soviet subways
1: uh no, it's actually quite new most Kazakh people they they're actually not even aware that there is a subway mm-hmm. and uh when you go there you actually don't pay the subway you pay a lady she gives you like a poker chip (laughs) right that you then that you then put in the thing and then someone opens the gate for you so the machine has no use nobody in that process has any use because at the end of the day someone is opening a gate for you
2: (laughs) i'm
0: just looking it up it says it says 23 years of construction to build the subway. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So they have a subway. Um, it's only doing the main street. Like it's not a multi-line subway, but the traffic is really, really bad here. So from what I understand is some people will park at one end, go work in the city center with the subway. Um, they also have uh, trams. They have a very developed bus system and it's very cheap. Mm. I think it's like uh, if you have your card, it's around fifty tenge, which is nothing. Uh, as of today, fifty tenge is—it's not even twenty cents. Right. Uh, to take the to take the subway, so or to take the a bus. So yeah.
0: I would say just it's to, really, any, it's really to anyone listening, going to any of the old big Soviet countries, I definitely recommend checking out the all the subway systems they built back then they're really really impressive so anyway back to the theme so that's that sounds pretty nice so, so you've been enjoying your time there you have not been like kidnapped once or twice or something
1: no not at all and that's uh, something i did to reach out to locals before coming here i because i i had heard that it was it's actually really hard to order some stuff here like uh it will get stuck at the border or custom will stop it or they have a lot of problem getting some equipment or some stuff. So I I posted in a local forum saying, I'm coming and I have check bags, but I'm not bringing stuff. So if you need anything that comes from Canada or the U.S., let me know, I'll, I'll buy it for you. Wouldn't you you can pick it up at my place. And uh, oh my God, everybody was like, can you get me a coffee machine? <laughs> can you get me like a, a bunch of people I didn't know. I think the, the funniest request I've had was, a juicer, a tent, like very random things that they just can't get. So that that was my first opening door to meeting local people because my first two, three days I had a bunch of random people showing up at my door and I was like, Oh, okay. So you're the coffee machine guy. Here you go. (laughs) And then people were like, Oh, let me take you out for food. And they would pay me back. So I didn't have to change money when I got here because people would pay me in local currency and uh yeah,, oh, <laughs> so I met a bunch of people, yeah, so I arrived here with two bags uh filled with goodies, and uh that's it now i'm i'm going, when I leave it's gonna be uh, empty
0: <laughs> so when people when people ask you what you do, you tell them in a Russian accent import export
1: <laughs> yes yeah, exactly I work in there. it's an international uh business. Right. Yeah, I'm a consultant. Right. <laughs> so that's how I met a lot of uh, of the local people here. Yeah.
2: All right.
0: And um, so so what have you been like spending your days doing? Like, uh, I, I mean, you must have had a lot of time there, apart from training and teaching English to to random strangers and bringing them coffee machines.
1: Well, okay. So usually when I wake up, I Like, I would just do my own training outside or uh, go for walks and explore because like I did in St. Bart here, same thing I did. Like, I just go for long walks because I think it's a good way to stop and go and be able to explore places. And I like to see what people are up to. Um, Like, to me, it's fascinating that on one of their big holidays here, I was like, I'm going to go in the big, big mall. I want to see what people are doing because they were going crazy over a big holiday. And for them, it's quite a celebration and the family would eat KFC. (laughs) So, So for me, it's just, what? It's very, very strange. it's very interesting, but like it's the kind of little daily life thing that I like to witness and um and then i I've been taking Russian classes online so and funny enough, when I was back home, my tutor he actually is from he lives five kilometers from me right now. <laughs> So, but I didn't know that before oh, so, so, the, got, so
0: so the person you took classes with in Canada lives right there or yeah okay
1: yeah he lives right here <laughs> and um so now we were in local time so it was much easier to plan classes um so I've been taking Russian classes every day then I was doing my little homework and doing that so that was like a two three hours a day easy um and And then I would get ready for training. So because training sessions were... Usually what I would do is I would go to the training session with the people that invited me over. So it was around two hours in the afternoon. Then I would catch a cab and I would go to Kazakhstan top team and I would do all the classes there at night. So it was like maybe four hours of training. So I think the first two weeks I was here, I probably dropped... Five or six kilos easy, because I was training like six hours a day. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then on the weekend, that was mostly what I was get, what I was doing was meeting up with people and going to random places.
0: Did you man? Have you managed to get get a well get along well with with just English, like also outside of training? And
1: Uh not really. But like I said, my Russian is good enough, especially when it comes to those like uh, taxi ride and meeting up and ordering and doing groceries. I mean, there's been some problem in some places, but it was mostly funny, the outcome. Uh, So English is definitely not enough. But everybody has a phone. And with all the apps you can get now, it's, uh, it's not even like an excuse. Like, you, you, everybody's gonna start translating on their phone. I would say that the biggest issue has been if you don't have cash to pay for something. At first, I was a little freaked out because the taxi driver was like, yeah, no problem. Let's just go in the store together and make some change. And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, yeah, let's just go together in the grocery store, and we're gonna ask the guy to cut your bill, (laughs) (laughs) and you can make some change. And I was like, okay, that sounds like the plot of (laughs) a movie. So like, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's ten o'clock at night, (laughs) and the guy is telling me, let's go together in this little store. We can buy a banana. You will get some change, (laughs) so you can pay for your cab ride. And I was like, those were the moments where i was like yeah just keep the change <laughs> like I, i've had a few yeah just keep the change moments uh with the, with those very very late uh, cab ride. but besides that uh been, everything is no usually okay um i can blame my uh my Russian more than their lack of English. Right. Like I think people people get upset when they, they travel and they're like, oh people don't speak English. Or they couldn't understand me. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, like it's Kazakhstan. Like they're literally surrounded by non English speaking countries. Like not even close to an English speaking countries. Uh, so it's normal if they don't speak English. Like uh, they all speak a few languages but English is not one of them. <laughs>
0: how is um, how, how is the city? Is it like is it clean or dirty or poor or how is how is like walking
1: around super, there? Walking super. Along? Super. De- super. Developed, super. Super. Super clean. And there's no garbage bin to throw your your trash, but nobody will throw their trash. But I think it's that leftover fear from the government um people are just very disciplined Mm. with everything like um i saw one person total that looked homeless and i wouldn't say he was homeless maybe it was just the town's drunk and even then he was wearing a mask Mm -hmm. so like it's very clean it's very Polite. It's very organized. The city is beautiful. Like I say, you're you're looking at like the buses. You're looking at big big mall with the big Ferris wheel. But then you turn around and you see the mountain right there.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm actually on Google Image right now, just like flipping through Almaty it, pictures.
1: Yeah, you can see the lake that's on top of the mountain. That place is just beautiful. Mm. And um,
0: have you felt unsafe in the city at any point?
1: Never. Like the no, besides the last two weeks, but it's because the the con Mm. the context is a little different. But like you mean the day to day, I've been walking everywhere, and never been worried of anything, ever, ever, ever. Like, I no.
0: (laughs) So what would you say to uh, what would you say to to all those 200 comments that were on the post in the members of BGJ Club Trotters Facebook group? Where people were like super suspicious and they were sure that you should not go there because it was like you would die in a terrorist attack or get abducted or
1: yeah that's not gonna happen um no the people were worried but people are worried of the things they don't know people are worried about the things that scare them um and i think it's just because A lot of people, they wouldn't be able to point out Kazakhstan on the map, but they have this big opinion about Kazakhstan. Um, But all I can say is that it's one of the most beautiful and nicest places I've been and and visited because there's everything. There's tons of jiu-jitsu, tons of grappling. You can do outdoor stuff. You can do city stuff. You can do cultural stuff. There's there's everything in this city. Uh, there's actually nothing quite like it even back home. I would say maybe around British Columbia, maybe because you get like the Rockies and you get the mountains and you get the cities right right there. But and it, it's too bad that I wasn't able to to travel more because my plan originally was to to also do all the other countries around because I was like every 30 days. Like, you're supposed to get out and do, like, a visa run. and But I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. I was not just going to turn around at the border and come back in. Like, you can go to Uzbekistan. You can go to, like, Kyrgyzstan. And it's beautiful. Like, those places are right there, three, four hours drive away. Like, you can do the old Silk Road when you're in uh, in Kazakhstan. Like, so for me, I had planned many, like, three, four-day trips. So for sure, for sure, I will come back to the region. Like you don't need the visa to go to those places, and it's so different, but so similar at the same time. And from what I'm seeing, like you're such at a central spot. Like you can fly to Russia for 50 bucks, and you can fly to Korea for 100 bucks, and you can be in China in a few hours. Like it's it's a really really central place if you also want to travel uh while you're staying in one place. So like I think it's a really, really good opportunity for people, like if they want to come here. Like because it's a big city, but you get everything. Which is not always the case when you <clears throat> when you travel to other destinations. Uh, you need to like take a day trip to go do something but here like some people go camping like for one day because you can go camping in the mountain and you're still close to home. So, so I think it's a, it's a really, really good spot. And no, I've never felt <clears throat> um, unsafe at all. And even with no Russian, I wouldn't feel unsafe. It gets, uh, it's a very well organized place and yeah. And people are just very, very warm and, It's, uh, there's, there's no risk in being in Kazakhstan at all.
0: (laughs) Did you, um, do you think you're going to come back
1: at some point? Oh yeah, for sure. There, there's too much I want to do and see. And there's too many people I haven't gotten the chance to meet up with again to either say goodbye or anything like that. So for sure, I want to come back. I want to come back with different equipment, sport equipment to go to the mountain or go camping or hiking. I definitely want to go to Russia. And I think it's a good place to be if you then want to go to Russia. So for me, for sure, I would come back and I would bring anyone who wants to come with me because it's a really cool spot. Like, uh, yes, I'm not into drinking in the big nightlife, but I think for some people it's also doable. Uh, I, there's so much stuff I want to try and like I had booked some activities with uh, to get those traditional like Kazakh stuff to do. It's just not a possibility right now, but like, I totally want to do it and I really want to do the old silk road, like to all the Stan countries. So I think it's a good spot to be if I want to do it.
0: Right. And then came like ev- what everyone probably like the, the moment where all your, non-believers said, could say, I told you so when the virus came and you were stuck in Kazakhstan of all places in a lockdown of the entire world with no flights. Um, so how has this, this been like being there and everything?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, the response here happened much earlier than in the rest of the world. Um, because they're so close to China. So already around February, the government had started closing the border with China. Um, And then they have, um, for not necessarily familiar with uh, with Islam, uh, the Quran says when there's a plague, you should uh, close your countries, close your border, make sure nobody comes in or out. And uh, <clears throat> the response of most of the countries, after seeing what happened with Iran very fast, they just completely shut down their border. Um, so I had been here not even two weeks that uh, the borders were already closed. Um, so I was like, well, my visa is gonna run out, that's great. <laughs> um, so we went to immigration police, And they were like, it's no problem. We'll give uh, emergency visa to everybody at least until April 20th. So don't worry about anything. So you're legal in the country. I'm like, okay, perfect. Uh, Because the way it works uh, in Kazakhstan is uh, the person hosting you uh, is responsible for you, immigration-wise. Like they have to register you with immigration and they have to confirm that you're gone when you leave. Uh, that's why you don't need a visa, and it and the responsibility is on the person who's hosting you. So I just wanted to make sure that nobody was going to get in trouble. Um, but now that like every the government said, yeah, no problem, like we're going to extend the visa for everybody. I was like, okay, perfect. So everything was business as usual in the country until around March 13, when they said that. Okay, we're going in full government shutdown and country shutdown and I was like, okay, must be like they did a the bit in in China, like they're gonna close the school or and everything. No, they're not messing around here. Like they everything shut down in twenty four hours. Like all the stores all the malls all the everything that was not a pharmacy a bank or a grocery store uh or a restaurant with delivery everything shut down in one day and everybody was sent home and then two days after it was the city was shut down because Almaty is a big city center so they were trying to contain the cities uh so with nur 10 in the north and us in the south. So they wanted to make sure that we were in isolation because we have two international airports. So they didn't want that to spread in the rest of the country where there's less infrastructure in hospitals. So they're like, OK, so we're going to shut down those two cities, uh, meaning you have 24 hours to decide if you want to stay in the city or if you want to be outside of the city, because after that you can't come back in or out. Uh, so they at least gave a little heads up to people. And that was the day that the military came into the country. And they started uh, doing roadblocks to make sure that there was no way in or out the city. Um, and then they put the rule in place about not leaving your house and about not being able to gather. not Even if it was Kazakh New Year's to... Two weeks ago or so, uh, people were not allowed to do any celebration. There was nothing on the street e- uh, either. Um, and then they kept like, at first it was the country, then it was the city, then it was by district. And now we have little zone, which is five kilometers where I we were allowed to walk or travel or, or do our stuff. So for me, it wasn't an issue because everything was still in that little zone. And then came the you can't leave your house unless you have a paper stating your purpose for being outside. Um, So, yeah, so I'm I'm lucky that I have an inside yard and that they're not enforcing it in the yard. They're just enforcing the no contact and you can't gather uh, in, in the little yard. Uh, so I've been able to take walks at least, <laughs> uh, and and get some fresh air every day. But it's been uh, and and they're not messing around. Like you have military everywhere, cops everywhere. Um, they I think they have some experience because of their past as well. And the government's been sending text messages every day with what's what's happening at least. Um, so I don't need to watch TV or check the news. It's, uh, we received text. like, uh, for example, like when they started reducing hours for public transportation, they were like, okay, so after today, you can't take public transportation after midnight. And then the day after it was like after seven, and then it was like, we're not going to allow more than five people per buses for essential work. Like, so at least we've been updated by text message like everyone who has like a a Kazakh SIM card uh, is automatically registered with the government. Um, So at least I stayed in touch with what's going on here uh, just by receiving those bilingual messages in Kazakh and Russian (laughs) Uh, every day on the situation. Um, And on the other end, my government ask every canadian to come home they just didn't plan that some countries would not let us go back home (laughs)
0: so you've been kind of (laughs) you've been kind of stuck there and and um has it been bad or like have you just been i don't know what have you been what have you been up to was it it, has it been scary or
1: no not scary like uh not scary when it comes to the virus more scary like not knowing what's the next big thing like um like when it was still allowed to go outside i would still go for a walk but because they put a curfew in place i've gotten pulled aside a few times by either military or security firms or cops but it was never like what are you doing there it was mostly are you going to be able to make it to your place before midnight um and it was always nice, but I I know that like the mood right now is very gloomy because <laughs> uh, people like are getting nervous and stressed out. Like everybody in North America, I find is like, oh my God, we've been like isolating for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. But here it's almost been going on for a month. So it's not just, um, and because they're so used to being in group, anything together and having their gathering and they live with their old family so some people even have to self-isolate in their home (laughs) because they're not allowed to be together even if it's members from their own family um it's a it's a really difficult situation like back home it's easy to be told self-isolate people are going to be at home and we have the infrastructure for people to work from home, whether with their computer or people can just like watch TV all day. But here, when you live with like your grandparents and your parents and your husband, and grandparents, and you live like with your old family, it's uh, it gets difficult. Like uh, people will stay, like I'm in a, I have a one bedroom place and some people in my building, they have the same type of apartment, but there are like eight or nine people living there. So it's uh, I have no idea how they're doing it. <laughs> like uh, they, have the, they have the whole family staying in the same space that I've been going crazy, living alone in, but they're sharing that space with a lot of other people, like sometimes four generation worth of people. With kids who can't play outside, and with grandparents who are like vulnerable people, and we don't have here. And I say we <laughs> because I'm, I'm part of it now. We don't have the infrastructure to support all the working from home stuff, or the Wi-Fi infrastructure to be able to support it. Like the the dollar has crashed. It's an oil country, so it's a, it has crashed too inflation is going crazy like so now people are they're getting a little worried but the government responded very fast to a crisis because they knew that they don't have the infrastructure or the hospital or the healthcare system to support a big crisis. So they had to do it right away. Like they couldn't take a risk to wait and see what's going on. This Is gonna get really bad? Let's wait and see for the economy. So the government was like, "Look, we can't afford anyone getting sick. <laughs> so we're just gonna we're just gonna like close everything down right now, and we'll figure a way out after." Uh, which is uh, different than like I would say in Canada or in the U S where the government's at the same time, putting some measures, you know, stay home. We will give you money here. It's more like stay home. You will get arrested if you go out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like, it's, uh, like I, every morning when I want to go for my little walk outside, like in my yard, I check if at least one person went before, like I, I'm I'm peeking at my window and I'm like, there's still nobody walking yeah maybe I shouldn't go maybe something happened I'm not aware and then like every 15 minutes and then I'm gonna see someone taking a walk I'm like okay that's my that's my cue like I, it doesn't matter if it's like raining it doesn't matter like, okay it's my cue I can go outside right now like someone did it like we also I think everybody's looking to the at their window like can I go outside is this safe or like we're gonna see cops like being there, they're coming here to give fines to people because probably they got caught or their car was seen, and everybody's just waiting. You can see in their window, everybody's staring like at the window, like the cops leaving, and everybody goes outside for a walk. Like, uh, and we're all, and it's like a, a yard with a park in the middle, so it's like totally like a prison. Like we have gates all around with security guards, and can you lift? Can you
0: lift weights there and play basketball?
1: No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, we um I'll, I'll be honest with you. there's like a kid's playground, and once in a while, you'll see the wild person going for a pull up, maybe like we're all kind of looking around, keeping our distance and walking in circle and then <laughs> and then you'll see that person going in the middle doing like one or two pull up on the kids' playground, and then they keep walking again, <laughs> like and everybody's kind of looking at each other like yeah I trust you all right I trust you too
0: so how about <laughs> um so how about um your your adventure of trying to get home good get, get back to Canada
1: uh, Oh, we're talking about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so I've been keeping a daily log as of March twelfth of all my phone calls, emails, and attempts to go back home so far, I'm holding tickets and valid tickets. I have flights to go to Korea. I have flights to go to Germany, France, Russia, London. I have two tickets to go to Turkey. None of those flights have happened. <laughs> uh, my my goal has been I'm gonna try to get closer to home. Like I'm not I know I can't make it home, but I will try either east or west. Because, you know, like I said, I'm in the middle of like the the spice trade and the Silk Road, right? So like, I'm like, if hundreds of years ago they figured out a way to find America, well, I should be able to do it too. So I just need to find the right path <laughs> to get there. So I had the itinerary through Turkey and then going back up to Europe to the countries that weren't closed. And my goal was to make it to London because London has been very slow to respond to the crisis. So London is still open. So like, I just need to make it to London. And then I'm one ocean away. <laughs> like, they're, they speak English, and I'm one ocean away from being at home. Like, I was like, if I make it there, I'll be okay. <laughs> so I tried to go through there. And it didn't happen. So I was like, okay, I'll try to go the other way through Malaysia and then all the way. And if I can make it to Vancouver, I'll be okay. Like, I just need one way or the other to leave where I am because there is no water around here. So I figured as long as I can go as far as I can from being straight in the middle, (laughs) like that's that's my that's my. that's my get-out-of-jail-free card. You literally just have to go and any
0: direction and you'll, be, you'll get closer to yeah, home, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I just need to start going in one direction or the other. <laughs> but uh, it was not possible. And every day, governments, without giving notice, were like, yeah, we're just going to close. Like, it looks bad. Let's just close. And uh, so it was like, I have tickets and I have my flights. And I have my letters so I can leave my, uh, my complex. Like I showed you a letter that shows like, yes, please let this person kindly go to the airport they're trying to leave. <laughs> like I've had many of those letters like to like just let me leave the country. And then they'd be like, yeah, your flight is canceled. And yet Google Calendar is like, oh, you're flying from France right now. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like uh, I tried to leave every route. And then I was really excited because last week, the president of Belarus said, yeah, the crisis, we don't really believe in it. And Russia just closed its border. So it's a great opportunity for us to make money <laughs> because Russia just closed. So the president of Belarus decided that like, not only they're not closing, they're going to lower prices to make sure that people want to come and discover Belarus. So I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've read all day. But that's my chance. I'm like, that's, that's it. I'm like, I gotta go to Belarus. <laughs> like, I have to make it there. <laughs> like, like, that guy is welcoming me with open arms. So I went and checked, and there was a flight at five in the morning from Almaty to Minsk, Belarus. I was so excited. Only a two hour flight. So, and it was about $100. I'm like, that's it, I'm getting closer. Belarus is almost in Ukraine and Ukraine is almost the European Union. Like that's how much I've been trying to just get closer. So I booked a ticket to go to Belarus and then there was a transit in France and then I was flying to London and then I found a flight the day after to go home. I was like, that's perfect. That's my chance. It's i I'm going to embark on this 40 hours journey and I will go to Belarus <laughs> and I will go through Europe and I'll make it home. And, uh, during that same day, so I'm all packing, I've eaten all my food. I've given away all my stuff. I've already spent thousands of dollars on flights to try to come back home. But now with all those separate tickets, I've just like outsmarted the system. Like I found a way and then the embassy messaged me to say, yeah, the government just closed the airspace. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, does that, like, do I care? Not really. Like, what do you mean to close the airspace? <laughs> like, you can do that? Like, did they close the sky? Like, what's, what's going? what's happening? And they're like, yeah, like, Like nothing's going on, even like commercial stuff, even cargo flight, nothing. Like they closed it. I'm like, yeah, but my flight is like in six hours. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I'm like, yeah, but it shows as my flight is active. And if I go on the website, it says it's active. And if I look on the airport website, it says that I can make it to at least Belarus. (laughs) And like they want me there. And uh, no, it's not going to happen. So now the airspace is fully closed, um, the government did the special announcement. They even closed it before telling uh, embassies here in Kazakhstan. So even government personnel from the U.S. and from Canada and other countries, I'm guessing, are, uh, they got stuck here because land borders were closed and domestic flights were all cancelled for a while already. But now that you close the entire airspace, you can't even be. Oh, I'm gonna pay someone and get on a cargo flight. Please, like, bring me to London. Like, you can't even do that. <laughs> there's 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 no possibilities anymore. Um. So they're taking this very very seriously. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now all my flights got canceled all the airlines they only want to give you a vouchers what what am i going to do with a voucher like well, i don't know well, if you go back
0: one day you have you have tickets to go back home again
1: yeah yeah so yesterday the government messaged me the embassy saying look we convinced the government to book let us have one flight so we can get most of the Brit, the korean the American and Canadian out. um Like we need this one flight, kind of off the books, <laughs> literally under the radar. <laughs> like there's one flight that's going, leaving for Korea tonight at 11 p.m. And uh, they said you can uh, you can try to go to Korea and then find a way back home. And uh, I was like. Yeah, I gave up. Like, I've given it up. After my Belarus, like, attempt. <laughs> like, I was so excited to go to Belarus. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up. You're not, you're not catching me again. I was like, I'll wait for a, a written confirmation. And uh, a solid confirmation. Because, first of all, I'm out of money. And second, I can't do this. Like, mentally, it's draining. Because, like... I know I have to plan my return back home. I'm going to be in the mandatory quarantine. Like, I need to plan what's going on with my family back home as well. So I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, tell me I'm here and it's okay. I'll be resilient and I'm turning fully Kazakh now. So it's like, it's okay. Or tell me I can leave. But like that going and coming and trying and trying, it's... It's nonsense. Uh so I was like, I need a written confirmation that this flight is gonna happen. Cause like it's it's not even about the money. At one point it's packing, unpacking, packing, unpacking. Like it's very complicated for me even to go to the grocery store here. So like if you're telling me that like I'm going to I, I'm staying here, I'll get the proper paperwork to be able to go get food. <laughs> but if you're telling me that like I might leave, I'm not gonna go through like all that asshole, and like I'm just gonna hang in there and eat buckwheat, like so, uh, which is what I've been doing the whole week, like waiting. Am I leaving? Am I not leaving? Um, so, so tonight I will actually try
0: to go to Korea, all, of all places.
1: Yeah, I will try to go to Korea, um, with all my stuff and all my documents and my letters from the embassy. And uh, it's my last attempt because I've been trying and I've been booking so many flights on my credit cards that it's not that they maxed out, they just blocked them. <laughs> like the companies were like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming from Kazakhstan for flights all across the world, like the entire world. Uh, so we're just going to block your card that should help you
0: how was uh, so so what time <laughs> What time is it right now
1: uh, right now it's around 8 in the morning
0: okay and your and flight, is, flight is, is tonight 12, eh?
1: 11 11 p.m it's the airport is 60 kilometers away but with all the checkpoints and the control and everything that can happen and if let's say that flight doesn't happen i need to be back home before curfew so my goal is to be at the airport extremely early because I need to find a way to get back to my place before curfew in case that flight doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and I need to give my keys to my landlord but then if the flight doesn't happen I need to come back and find a way to contact my landlord to get my keys back
0: before it's too late
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Before it's too late. Well the because, adventure because continues. Like, yeah. It's also the old mechanic, you know, like the old mechanic of I can't meet him. So we need to like yo, I'm gonna leave the key under that rock in the yeah. yard, kind of situation. <laughs> so so uh I'm gonna make it to Korea, maybe. And then I should be able to go to Chicago and then maybe home. <laughs> But. And I
0: think since we, I mean, we we purposely wanted to record this while you were still in Kazakhstan to kind of get the yeah. the real like atmosphere of the whole thing. But I guess um, we're probably going to publish this like before you leave or something before you before you're home. I guess so. So uh, if people want to find out if you actually made it home or not, can you are you going to post that? And you should post that in the members of BGA Club Trust Group, like where it all started.
1: Yeah, I sure And like uh, a lot of people I've have, have been uh, I'm really grateful because most of the people who've been offering help either through contacts or because they know people who work in airlines or people in many countries like that's been my number one support has been people like, hey, if you get stuck in London, you can come to my place. Hey, if you get stuck in Russia, you can come to my place like everywhere. People have been really really helpful. Like I haven't been posting to get Attention like like in a pity way. It was more in the look. I need people to know I'm stuck there right. <laughs> Like, like uh, that, that, That's So that's why like I know if I get stuck in Korea I have people from Globetrotter who can come and pick me up or who can I even have people from US camps who told me, Hey, I speak Korean, so if something happened at the airport, here's my number. Mm-hmm. Like I can at least help you find a place. Like um so so I've been so happy and so lucky that everybody has just been coming very, very forward, either offering money or help or support, but it's not about the money, it's or more mega, about like a chicken pizza. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we we st- I still don't know what was in that Canada sushi.
0: <laughs> well, it's probably it's probably for the best, you don't know. Just leave the country.
1: Don't don't look back. Yeah, and uh but everybody has been so helpful and supportive and I just want to go home. Like uh it, it's not because I don't like it here. It's just if I'm going to be stuck between four walls might as well been stuck in my four walls uh because i can't i can't do anything anyway and it's uh it's, it's better to do it at home and i don't want to like taint my old kazakhstan experience uh with this that's why i want to come back to make to make it right and to continue what was started and what started good and what started right and what was so so pleasant and fun so for sure for sure i want to come back so uh, let's, yeah
0: so let's uh let's wrap this up and um and you probably need to go pack your stuff again and get ready to go to the airport a little bit later
1: mm, yes no definitely
0: <laughs> eat the leftover pizza horse pizza and make a chicken yes all that. Yeah. And uh all right so uh thanks for uh thanks for calling in from Kazakhstan.
1: Um My pleasure. Thanks for I would like to thank the government of Kazakhstan for letting me make this call.
0: <laughs> they're probably <laughs> listening in right now. Do you want to say hello <laughs> yeah, in Russian?
1: Probably, yeah, definitely they're listening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Uh well, best of luck with your flight to Korea tonight. I really hope you make it. Um and who knows maybe in <laughs> maybe in a few weeks we're gonna to have to make another episode about your life in korea or something
1: perfect and like i really hope that you're gonna do like a corona award of the year because it's only it's only march and i've been in 25 airport. so <laughs> anyone who wants to try like they, they're welcome to try to beat to beat me for this year
0: yeah because nobody else is gonna travel all year
1: exactly <laughs> all
0: right valerie best of luck and uh I promise us you just you post in the in the globe Trailers facebook group uh with an update if you if you make it hope or if you're stuck somewhere or...
1: i will and uh i'll definitely pay it forward if anyone is stuck in canada well they can come to my place <laughs> okay.
0: all right enjoy the packing and uh we'll stay in touch eh? uh,
1: thank you Have okay bye bye okay.
0: All right, I'm back in the studio, which is my hallway, um, and uh, it actually took me a bit longer to do the editing of this interview than I had originally thought it would. So um, while we waited for this to uh, to be ready, Valerie actually made her flight home uh, through Korea, uh, South Korea, and then uh, back home to Canada. So. Um, You don't have to go check in the members of BGJ Club Taurus group if she's still alive. She is. Um, And uh, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview. If you want to listen to any of the older episodes of this podcast, just go to bgjclubetaurus.com slash podcast. Um, our website is also where you can find out about everything else that's going on in the BGJ Club Trotters, including all our camps, which, uh, of course, we're doing everything we can to cross our fingers every day to hope that they will all uh, go through this year um, and life will be back to normal. So, all right, until next time, uh, stay safe, don't train yet, uh, and uh, have a nice day.